hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax Escarp with the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamprin. Yes, good morning. Also along for the ride this morning, Philip Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarp Realty, the Golfie team. You can call them at any time, 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. At Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the Rob Golfie Facebook page as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast on iTunes and Google Play. You can find past episodes at uh, robgolfie.com and 900chml.com. And if you have a question for the Golfie team, the email address is questions at robgolfie.com. Again, questions at robgolfie.com. Our special in-studio guest today is Jerry Folletta from Centennial Law Group. Uh, Senlawgroup.com is the website. Uh, we have a 1-800 number that we'll pass along as well. Jerry, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm very good. Get real close to that microphone so we can hear you. (laughs) I'm very good. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Good to have you on board. We'll talk about uh, personal injury law, accident benefits, everything under the sun uh, in terms of that sector. But we'll begin today, Rob, with some uh, interesting stats that you've brought to to, uh, the show this morning. Yes, we got good news and we got bad news. Ah. Uh, So the the good news, Mm -hmm. um, I I was checking the the stats based as of today, the the 24th of February, from the 1st of February to Mm -hmm. the 24th of February. And uh, this year um, alone for the Hamilton, you know, the Stony Creek, Dundas, Ancaster, Flamborough, Glanbrook, Waterdown area, there have been 344 sales so far. Okay. Okay. The same time last year, 764 sales. Holy moly. So uh, we're down 55% in transactions, but we're up 3.5%. In sale price, so that's a, so we're 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 steadily growing. Uh, uh, the growth is happening there. So the average sale price was five hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Last year was four hundred and ninety five thousand approximately. Approximately. Hmm. So the bad news is. The real real estate agents have to work harder out there, <laughs> and so they uh, they're not uh, doing as many sales. Right. Uh, so that 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 is for uh, for the Hamilton area. Now I did Burlington. Now Burlington has taken a beating. Wow. Uh, so that's why we're seeing Burlington agents coming into Hamilton. Um, so Burlington, they're down 55% also in transactions, but they're also uh, down 16% average sale price hmm. uh, from last year. So right now, Burlington's at 130 transactions uh, as of, from the 1st to the 24th of February. Last year, they did 291 in 24 days, so they're they're uh, they're way down. So uh, Burlington's taking a beating. I think Burlington peaked to a point where people can't afford it anymore. Yeah. They, it's, they're just now they're just seeking elsewhere. And um, but 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 it's it looks like it's the same across the Golden Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got Niagara numbers here. Niagara, uh, they're down 47 percent in transactions. That's that's including you know the whole peninsula. Yep. And but they're up seven percent in sale price. So they actually hmm. they actually have the best. 
between uh, Hamilton, Halt, Niagara uh, when it comes to uh, real um, uh, appreciation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're 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 doing very well out there. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's a tough grind out there right now. Interesting uh, in terms of the selling price too in Niagara. So it was three eighty last year at this time. Uh, now it's four hundred five thousand, and in Burlington, uh, <laughs> last year at this time is seven hundred eighty six thousand average selling price uh, compared to this time around six hundred sixty one. I mean that that's you know one hundred twenty one hundred twenty five grand. <laughs> that is huge. So it- are those are those Toronto buyers. All just bypassing Burlington and, and coming here. Yeah, they they must be because I knew Burlington took a beating uh, uh, last year in the second half of the year. So a lot of the agents all out there were scrambling. Right. Uh, you know, they're, like their sales were coming down, and they were they were feeling it. And so um, we know um, they're now they're kind of out uh, broadening their uh, their area of of what they do business. They're, now they want to come into Hamilton because mm-hmm. they figured. Uh, Hamilton is a more affordable, so they said, you know what, we're, let's go to Hamilton and let's see if we can, you know, do some sales in Hamilton also right. because it's a more affordable city for clients to afford. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just you know, there, there's a point where there's it's too much is too much, and uh, and um, and and people, you know, the market dictates what uh, what values are, and if nobody's buying there, nobody's buying. They're yeah. they're going to go elsewhere to buy. You also mentioned that the Burlington realtors are now coming to Hamilton to you know obviously yeah. sell homes because they're not doing it in Burlington. That's right. Should uh, buyers and sellers in Hamilton be wary of that? Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, um, I mean, they don't they don't live and work here. I mean, they just they you know their office is in Burlington, and right. and they'll give you the fact that oh we have uh, uh, GTA buyers and stuff like that. Uh, you know, because they, obviously they they, they want to get that business. Um, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, uh, we 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 work and live in in the Hamilton area, mm-hmm. and um, it, and we've been here a lot longer than they have. Um, but it just you know it depends on everybody has a, a, a liking of different styles of real estate agents, the way they operate. Right. Um, but you know it, it's you know all the power to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know your team has uh, you know specific realtors that look after specific uh, areas. areas in the city. Do you have one in Burlington or someone who oversees we, Burlington? We, Alton? we we do have a couple agents that live in Burlington okay. uh, that do and, we, and any any deals that we do in Burlington we designate those agents for that area. Okay. Absolutely. So are those are those agents allowed to look into Hamilton as well? Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> actually, there are actually agents that live in Burlington, but they grew up in Hamilton. Oh wow. Yeah. So they know actually both areas very well. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. That. You know, that, that versatility is good to have on a team, it is, for sure. It is, absolutely, yeah. So are these numbers surprising or expected? I know on the last show we were talking about that spring rush kind of coming. I guess it's been maybe delayed a little bit. So here's here's my, my opinion. The market, it's going to kick in, mm-hmm. and I personally think it's going to happen within the next 60 days. Now, we're not going to have the, the crazy market that we did last year that was going on for about two and a half months almost three but 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 this year we're gonna have if you have your house on the market uh, I think we're gonna have a good steady uh, uh, long market that'll go into the summer but I think in the next 60 days we are gonna have a rush and that rush is gonna happen it's gonna be like a two week period two and a half week period where everybody's just gonna come out and it and we don't know when it's gonna happen but it's gonna happen and if you happen to have your house on the market at that time you're gonna benefit from it now um, but but the market will be steady but if you but I I strongly uh, suggest that you put your house on the market uh, March April because I think that's when you're gonna get the strongest dollar there's mm-hmm. still low inventory out there uh, a lot of overpriced homes if you have 
have your house priced right, you will do very well on it. If you overprice it, you're going to chase the market yeah. and it's going to cost you a lot of money down the road. And if you didn't take pictures of your home last spring, summer, or fall, now is a pretty good time. Oh, I mean, there's nice. no no snow yeah, on the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and we, we we had a lot. We had our photographer out in the last few days, nice. just doing pictures everywhere for us. All right, let's say hello once again to uh, Jerry Folletta from Centennial Law Group. Uh, he uh, focuses on personal injury law, accident benefits, slips and falls, civil litigation. Uh, how, how did you get to know the golfy team? Well, I met Rob through uh, my partner, Philip Kutza. I, uh, I met uh, Rob through Philip maybe about four or five years ago. Yeah, and, and Phil was on the show actually, uh, yeah. I think last year, uh, talking about the real estate law. Mm. Yeah, so Phil handles the real estate and corporate end of the uh, practice. I, I do the, the litigation. I'm the court guy. He's the office guy. Okay. So, Who is the more exciting job? Uh, m- most definitely. <laughs> and I'm sure he'll, he'll confirm that as well. <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, that's how I met Rob, and we've become uh, close uh, over there, the whole golfing team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah we're, 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 we've become very close over the last few years. Uh, in terms of uh, how you guys interact, so what would be more the, 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 uh, the most common interaction between you guys? Uh, um, aside from getting coffee on a weekend. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, I mean, we, um, um, we, we get together at different functions, and, uh, you know, uh, sometimes if we have issues, uh, we, we will uh, we'll call either Jerry or uh, or Phil for c- certain things. Mm. Um, for instance, uh, you know, the, a lot of people have their homes up for sale, and there could be issues. Um, you know, we want to make sure everything's safe, right? right? Like yeah. you should have a uh, you know what do you call it a rail going down every staircase. Right. That yep. could be an issue if somebody we, we're bringing clients through a house mm-hmm. and um, um, and and somebody's falls down the stairs and there's no handrail to, to grab. Uh, but, I mean, they, they keep us informed on uh, latest things uh, that could happen, stories that could happen. Um, it, 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 it is a good combination. It, it's, it's almost like uh, the Centennial Law Group is part of our team when it comes to legal aspects of right. it. Excellent. So tell us about yourself, how you got into uh, your, your current uh, field of employment, and, and, and talk a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I, I was a paralegal at first. I, I got... By licensing in 2002. I was actually the first paralegal in Ontario that was licensed to become a lawyer. No way. So wow. yeah, the, if you know the history about paralegals, they were unlicensed for the longest time and the law society came in and started licensing them. So they had this grandfathering in process. Myself and Nilo Grabar, who was also on the show a while ago, he's a paralegal in the office. He, uh, We both got licensed. I went back to law school and I got my call in 2013. Wow. So I ran into Phil. Uh, we hit it off right away, and uh, we merged. I, I joined the firm in 2014, and we've been partners ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of um, accidents, uh, slips and falls, has this winter been bad because we've had uh, you know an up-and-down kind of winter? Yeah, so normally what happens is uh, the snow comes, the accidents happen, and we don't usually get the uh, the clients till maybe about a month later. Okay. They... Uh, they, they realize how injured they are. You know, they go see the family doctor, they go see the chiro, they go see the physio. Right. And I, I don't do a lot of advertising. Most of my uh, business is referral, either through uh, family doctors, through uh, rehab clinics or other lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, th- this winter, uh, I'm starting to see it uh, trickle in now because the, the last couple of months have been pretty bad. Last winter, we had a mild winter. Yeah. And then, uh, we had a couple of really bad winters the year before. So I usually gauge the slip and falls as, uh, as how busy How bad the winter is. The yeah. The weather patterns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because my slip and falls are usually anywhere between 10 to 20 is what I sign. And those bad winters, I was signing in between 50 and 60. So wow. Yeah, they, they were pretty heavy. Uh, so how, how does this, you mentioned last year, not so much, but how does this uh, winter compare to, to past winters? Maybe yeah, the last four or five winters. Yeah, th- this one's been better than last year. Uh, right. Th- those two uh, really bad years were the actual uh, government 
change the bylaw and maybe we'll get into that about the gross negligence test mm-hmm. against the city because it used to be a negligence test and then they moved to the gross negligence test because there was just the, the city was getting inundated with uh, with claims so this winter has been uh, pretty bad in terms of a winter but pretty good in terms of business yeah so. yeah uh, and in terms of any uh, accidents or slips and falls while you guys are showing homes is that does that come into play well yeah you have to be careful um some of these old homes in Hamilton, especially with the uh, steep staircases to the basement, and they're not really made for uh, a lot of people to go up and down, just the homeowners. Right, so yeah. um, if there's a, if I feel that um, we're showing a house and I see there's a staircase that goes downstairs and the staircase is very steep, it's got a steep pitch, um, I will not let my clients go down or I'll try to find a way to make sure that they're not going to like I, I just now I have I have a, a due diligence myself sure. knowing that there is no handrail here. The homeowner should have a hand, uh, have a handrail there. Um, but me knowing, you know, going through a lot of homes, I, I, I just I, I'm, I'm careful that way because yeah. I, I, I just don't need to have somebody slip and fall down a staircase where they don't have a railing to grab. And and uh, the homeowners are obviously liable for that, but most realtors should tell their uh, clients that when you put your house up for sale, please put a handrail right. uh, anywhere where there's a staircase. Yeah, common sense, that's for sure. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of the Real- Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin in studio today with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Our special guest in studio this morning, Jerry Falletta from Centennial Law Group. You can find them online at senlawgroup.com. Uh, the 1-800 number is one 388 6458 That's 1-888-388-6458. You can find the Golfie team online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com, at Rob Golfie on Instagram and Twitter. Check out the Rob Golfie Facebook page. You can call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Liability and shoveling this winter. We've had um, a few snowfalls in which our driveways have been, uh, you know, stockpiled with uh, with snow. Certainly, uh, sidewalks are always an issue. We had uh, a, a deep freeze and some snow and some freezing rain a few weeks ago that created uh, some issues issues, whether you're walking your dog or, or showing a home uh, as a realtor, uh, talk about the liability of shoveling your driveway or, or sidewalk. Yeah, the sidewalk. Yeah, so ultimately the sidewalks are owned by the city. Right. Uh, it's, it's their uh, liability. They uh, Each municipality is a little bit different, but the bylaw generally states that the homeowner is responsible for cleaning the sidewalk. They have a a 24-hour period to, to clear the sidewalk, failing which the city can come in, clear it for them, and then you know issue a, a fine uh, to, to reimburse them. Um, my general practice and most of the lawyer, personal injury lawyers that take on these types of cases, what they do is they just name the homeowner as well as the city and then let them battle it out. You know, um, a lot of people in the city tend to not clean the sidewalks as, as good as they should. They don't put the salt down. You know, they may clear the snow and then they end up with just ice on there. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the city's going to pass the buck to the homeowner mm-hmm. and the homeowner is going to try to pass the buck back to the city. Uh, the city does have a duty to inspect the uh, the sidewalks to, to make sure that they're maintained. But ultimately, it's the homeowner's responsibility to clear it. 
when you sue the homeowner, they end up giving it to their home insurance. But there's obviously cases where the homeowner doesn't carry insurance, you know, and that's when you're left with uh, a client potentially holding the bag. If the homeowner was not responsible, they have no assets. You know, sometimes it's the tenants, you know, and uh, they ultimately are going to name the uh, the property owner who's the landlord who had nothing to do with it depends on the, uh, the arrangement that they had uh, I own a couple of rental properties you know I have a maintenance company that comes in I don't put it I don't leave that on the on the tenant so it's better to uh, to err on the the side of caution yeah usually when it is city versus homeowner does the city usually win uh, it depends on the situation you know right. every case is different but you know sometimes the cities will show up with logs and that's generally throughout the the, the litigation process mm. the, the discovery process um, sometimes the logs uh, w- we suggest are, are self-serving and uh, you know not, not necessarily 100 percent accurate but sometimes they're computerized um, we, we look at how many complaints have been made sometimes there's no complaints so the city can only do what the city can do sometimes if there's no complaints nobody has called in complained about the sidewalk it's really on the homeowner um sometimes homeowners travel a lot and they, they don't maintain the uh, the property when they're away so mm-hmm. um i i don't think that the city always wins the city likes to fight uh these cases uh, a lot of lawyers don't even take on slip and fall cases against the city because it, the test has become tougher over the years the gross negligence test so um but, you know, some lawyers the battle it. And a lot of the times the city, they, they fight it just to deter future types of cases right. uh, or claims against them. You made a great point about, uh, you know, we have snowbirds here in this city who, <clears throat> you know, go away from the winter. If, you know, there's a, a massive snowstorm or an ice storm uh, and there's no one home to clear a sidewalk and someone falls on that sidewalk, then is that the city's fault now? No, I, I would say it's the homeowner ultimately. Really? You know? eh? and, Even uh, though they're not there? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, you're owning that property. Right. You own the property, so you have a duty to maintain a safe environment for people walking by. There's an expectation that people are going to be walking on that sidewalk. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you live out in the boonies or whatnot. And even out there, there's still an expectation that people are going to be walking, cars are going to be driving, whatever the case may be. So, you know, I, I would say ultimately it's on the on the homeowner. I uh, want to talk about distracted driving. I know uh, Phil had some questions on that too. Yeah, I wanted to get into... Th- I know we talked about snow. It's very snow related. But what about the uneven sidewalks? And, 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 and I have one know, in front of my house. Case, yes. Yeah. And so, <laughs> sometimes they get quite dangerous, yeah. right? If you know there's kids running or or you're or you're just walking. Yeah. So the the, the proper process is again to to uh, notify the city, let them know. I had one in front of my house, and it was literally like almost a foot. Um, but what happens uh, a lot of times is. It's just the frost. Once the frost goes away, it levels itself out. And I didn't believe it, and I actually saw it for myself. But um, it, it's it's very hard because they're not going to come in and obviously do it in the winter. So they may actually uh, rope it off so that you, you as long as there's a sidewalk across the street or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's uh, that that one's a tricky one. You know, like the, the city can only do so much. You know, weather conditions. You can't yeah. lay uh, concrete in certain weather, mm-hmm. weather conditions, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to even itself out. Uh, we haven't had really bad situation like that this uh, winter, but other winters, it's been really, really bad. Yeah, it has been a challenge, certainly with, uh, you know, with this winter having the, I mean, we're seeing potholes left, right, and center in, in our city with, the, you know, a deep freeze and then a thaw and then a freeze and then a thaw. It's been, uh, you know, drive around uh, in yeah. front of McMaster University on Main <laughs> Street, and it's, it's just... Oh, uh, it's, a, it's a mess. It's like you need an off-road vehicle. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Evidently, the city's had a lot of complaints this year about potholes. Yes. Uh, and people trying to claim, you know, pop tires and bent rims and whatnot, so... I, I saw I saw uh, somewhere online somebody put uh, a, a, a bouquet of flowers inside a pothole <laughs> <laughs> just to show how serious? deep it was. Oh, it was man. filled with water, and you just put a, a bouquet of flowers in there, and it wow. actually and it actually held up there. Wow, <laughs> there's one on uh, 
there's one on Fennel as you're approaching Garth. And uh, it's so deep and so big that someone has taken a piece of plywood and put it over top of this wow. uh, puddle. And, and I'm not sure if they've notified the city, but uh, they should know that there's yeah. a deep one out there. Yeah. But again, and that brings up a good point. Even if you don't notify the city, the city has a duty to, to you know inspect and drive sure. around and, uh, and whatnot. I, I had a slip and fall in the city of Toronto where my client was walking through the sidewalk, uh, sorry, through the crosswalk, and she slipped and fell. And she worked in that area. A year later, it was still in the same situation. No way. Yeah, after we had issued our claim and whatnot. So uh, that just made our claim even uh, easier to <laughs> prove. So. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I, I had a situation where I was on my um, uh, going to uh, an evaluation on a, on a property in um, East Hamilton. And uh, th- this is about maybe three, four years ago. There was a little bit of uh, snow that uh, just fallen on the, um, on the ground. And as I was walking up the walkway of this house, the homeowner came rushing out and said, as he was saying, be, uh, be careful of the walkway, mm. I fell and, and I had my laptop and everything just hit the ground. And there was a step there. So my my right index finger, the, the at the knuckle, my finger bent to the right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I was, I, I couldn't believe it. I looked at it, so I, I took my finger and straightened it out. Like you could hear the cartilage. <laughs> and it, I was in so much pain. It was hard for me to, and I still went up, you know, went to his house. <laughs> like, and I'm, Shook his know, hand? I'm a trooper. I'm telling you, I, I'm a trooper. I went out and uh, still sat there, went through the whole thing, but I was in major pain. I could have used a, a Tylenol well, or I'll, two. I'll, I'll tell you something, Rob. <laughs> uh, the It probably would have been better for the homeowner just putting my lawyer's cap on if he didn't warn you because then you could say that he didn't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I did go to the hospital that night. to uh, So they had to uh, brace it and everything. And I had... My uh, my knuckle on my uh, index finger was swollen, and it took a long time. It took a couple of years before the swelling came down. Wow. And uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know, like I mean, I didn't do it. I didn't sue the guy or anything. No, but I, I wanted end, the business more. <laughs> at the end of the day, he knew about it, so he yeah. had a duty to. He had a duty, but he should have. He should have. He should have said something to me, or, or shoveled it, or put a pile on there, or 100%. something like that. He knew mm-hmm. about it as mm-hmm. I was falling down. So, what's the time frame in terms of you know someone slips and falls, or they get into some some sort of mishap and they're injured? How long do they have to contact someone like you to say, hey, you know, I I think I have a case here? Yeah. So the bylaw says that if it's city property and you uh, intending on pursuing a claim, you have ten days to notify them. Now that ten days, you know, courts aren't really stringent on it, but mm-hmm. it is the bylaw. Sometimes people may fall and end up in a in a coma. You know, circumstances will dictate uh, if if that uh, ten days is going to be upheld. But you have ten days to notify the municipality if it's a city claim. Um, in terms of suing the actual homeowner, you have uh, it's a two year limitation pursuant to the limitations oh, wow. act. Oh wow! Yeah. So How do homeowners feel about yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. A year and a half later, well, it's well, more yeah, the insurance company. How well, come yeah. we have to wait? How come we get to two years and exactly. the city only gets yeah. ten days? Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. why so long? Well, that's a limit. limitations act used to be six years actually. Wow. Yeah. So in uh, in two thousand they changed. That's it. insane. Um, and they uh, and, and now it's uh, it's two years. So. Wow. That's that's a lot. That that is a long that time. That is yeah. a long time. Yeah, car accidents the same same way. You know, a lot of people sometimes they don't realize the extent of their damages and their injuries until. Uh, some time has passed, so they've made it two years. Sometimes they're not even aware that they're entitled to a claim or aware that they have a claim because hmm. some, some injuries may not show themselves till uh, you know a year or two years later. So what would be an example of an injury that would take that long? Would it be like con- concussion symptoms <coughs> or...? 
Well, the, the biggest example is uh, is chronic pain. You know, okay. Some people have some neck pain, and they may have benefits, so they go. They use the benefits and they think that it's going to go away. And, and when I say use the benefits, get some treatment, whether right. physio, chiro, massage, whatever the case may be. And then, uh, you know, a, a year goes by and they realize that it's not going away and they get uh, some diagnostic testing um, and they realize that uh, it's something that's going to be there permanently or they may need surgery or something. Mm-hmm. Something may not surface, you know. So mm-hmm. Some people have higher t- uh, pain tolerances as well, right? So right. Now, what about different. the, I don't want to be insensitive to other people's injuries, but we have to get into the fraudulent claims, right? There's always those stories where, <sighs> you know, somebody keeps on, you know, is dealing with this chronic neck pain and, and all of a sudden they're parasailing in Mexico, right? Yeah. No, and, it, and, and how, you know, how popular has that become? And, and what are, you know, in, in those cases, is there anything that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the person suffering the, the so-called injury gets any repercussions in those cases. Yeah, so if, if I was doing this 20 years ago, I probably would have been retired by now because it was so profitable. <laughs> but insurance companies have really uh, stepped up. They, uh, they've come out, uh, down hard on uh, clinics. There was a lot of bad clinics out there. They've come out on these fraudulent claims. They've increased surveillance. Uh, I've had a couple clients who, you know, they're, they're telling me they're injured. They're going to the treatment. And then uh, there's surveillance showing that uh, what they're telling is not 100% sure. So I end up suffering because I work strictly on a contingency fee. I take a percentage of the settlement. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm spending thousands of dollars on reports and uh, and disbursements or whatnot. And I'm left holding the bag. Insurance company's not going to pay me that back. Right. You know, if anything, they want to go after them for their costs. So, um, yeah, I... Is it still popular? Yeah, it's still popular. You know, I remember back in the day that people would... uh, you know, uh, come from other countries, uh, realizing that it was here, to, uh, it was easier here to, to make a claim. Seven people in a minivan, you know, <laughs> where there's only six seatbelts. And uh, their friend with seven people in their minivan rear-ends them. And, uh, wow. you know, they got 14 people making a, a claim. And they were always with the same insurance company. So it was... Uh, Interesting. Yeah, but uh, insurance companies have figured out the processes now. You know, they're, they're, they're really knowledgeable now. They have a lot of investigators uh, looking at the stuff now, which is good, you know. Yeah, like it, for sure. Because everybody, everybody suffers once, you know, once we all do, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're <clears throat> all paying those premiums. So, yep. if, you know, our yeah. insurance is going up if there there's those false claims. And mm-hmm. I, I would say the people that suffer the most are the people that are actually really injured. Uh, right. Because, yes. you know, they, they have this stigma attached to them that they're faking or exaggerating or whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, staying on the roads, uh, I mentioned distracted driving earlier. We've seen more uh, fatal crashes, certainly from distracted driving. That's now the number one killer on Ontario roads, according to OPP. Uh, a lot more collisions related to that. And it's not necessarily just talking on your phone or texting. People are eating, drinking, doing whatever in eating, their cars. Putting yeah. their makeup on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a, there's so many distractions. Yeah. Shaving. Listening. Bru- I've seen brushing, brushing your teeth. Brushing your teeth, yes. Yeah. I've seen you know, the eyeliner thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, listening to the radio is a distraction, uh, you know, even though that, uh, I don't think it is, but uh, <laughs> uh, l- listen, there's been a lot more activity, um, uh, you know, in, in relation to distracted driving. Have you seen that in, in your line of work? Yeah, so I, I would say nine times out of ten, my one of my claims are rear-enders. It's because they were on the cell phone. Wow. And they don't admit it, obviously, but uh, my client says, listen, I looked up, I saw them with their head down, whether they're looking at the phone or whatnot. But yeah, it's just been a gradual progression. And I remember, like, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I, I remember driving when, and texting all the time. You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's become worse than, uh, than impaired driving, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Like, it's, it, when it's a rear ender, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's always texting. Yeah, you 100%. see it everywhere now. But but the, the problem there is, 
the rear ender, they're they're not even hitting the brakes. They just smack into. It. They right. didn't, they don't even. They, see, have, they have no idea. They have no they're... idea. So you've got a guy coming in hitting you at sixty to hundred kilometers an hour, yeah. and that's more impactful than somebody trying to hit the brakes. Yeah. And you yeah. know, or if they are hitting the brakes, it's right at the last second, which is not really. Yeah, it's that not going to do anything. Difference, yeah. yeah, I had a uh, a rear ender. This is back in my college <clears throat> days, and I was going maybe two kilometers an hour as a red light. I was looking at a map, so you know, I was <laughs> technically driving distracted, <laughs> and you know, my head was down, and I just kind of rolled into this pickup truck. And you know, neither of us suffered any damage, but it's even you know the little things of looking at a map to see where you're going, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, a lot of vehicles have become safer now too. Like I know my car, right. <clears throat> would uh, would prevent it. So uh, I, I like the change. Well, on a business level, I don't like the changes <laughs> to the safety of You're these cars. No, technology. With, uh, <laughs> with the technology, you have these automatic braking systems. Yeah. You have you know the the um, the forward the warning. collision warning yeah. and everything. But accidents are still up, even with the the uh, distracted driving. So I, I think these cars are making people uh, worse Let, worse drivers. Yeah, yes, it's yeah. A, yeah, I agree. It allows you to become more distracted. Yeah, and, and, I agree. And, and you got these cars that if you if you go over in the lane a little bit, it pushes you back in, yeah. and, and it's just crazy. I, I have I have an old car. I have a '77 Corvette. I can't park that for the life of me because my car my, my bmw lets me park wherever i want right that basically does it for me so yeah i think i think technology has made us worse drivers case in point uh most everyone with a newer vehicle will have a rear uh camera that helps them you know back into a parking spot try to back a vehicle that doesn't have one the first it's thing you're so looking at hard. is where's my rear oh now i gotta use my mirrors right yeah it's yeah. really it's really retrained us i get my wife to get out of the car so what's the uh, what's the first step if, if you know a slip and fall happens or an accident happens what's what's the first step yeah so if uh clients call me all the time whether you know a relative friend uh had a slip and fall i say listen uh go to the hospital or go to your family doctor get looked over uh see what the extent of the injuries are have them refer you to a clinic uh because you know doctors are limited in their scope and what they can treat in terms of uh uh, physio rehab or whatnot. Uh, we have some of the best physios in uh, in Ontario and Hamilton. We're, we're we're actually lucky. So uh, they get them to physio. Uh, I'll recommend a clinic that's clear uh, that's near them if if they don't have one or if their family doctor doesn't recommend one. And once they uh, they see the the physio, I'll tell them to call me. And uh, you know if if I feel that their injuries meet. Uh, uh, a certain threshold, then uh, then I'll meet with them and we'll end up sending the notice letter. I'll send the notice letter regardless to the city if it's a city claim, um, just to protect their their ten day notice period. We'll take a a quick break on that note. Uh, when we come back, more from the Hamilton Real Estate Show on nine hundred CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin here with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with REMAX Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. RobGolfie.com is the website, 905-575-7700. If you have a question for the Golfie team, email them, questions at RobGolfie.com. Again, that is questions at RobGolfie.com. Any issue under the sun, real estate related, we will get to uh, the question and the answer on a future program. They're all over social media. Check out the Rob Golfie Facebook page. 
page at Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Jerry Falletta is our in-studio special guest today. He's from Centennial Law Group. SenLawGroup.com. That's C-E-N LawGroup.com. one 388 6458 That's 1-888-388-6458. Uh, back to Phil. You had a question. Yeah, yeah. So how do landlords, not just landlords, you know, people that, that are renting out Airbnbs and, and, and that sort of thing, how should they protect themselves? Are they protected with just their home insurance or, or is there, you know, how, how do they further protect themselves against it, personal injury? Yeah, so the landlord normally has a duty to tell his insurance company whether or not it's a rental and the premiums will uh, dictate that. Um, a lot of times the uh, homeowner or the landlord will have the tenant have their own insurance as right. well. Uh, sometimes tenants, you know, they, they, they don't they don't get it or they can't afford it, so it, it's on the homeowner. But yeah, normally it's the uh, it's a duty of the landlord to advise their insurance company that uh, it is a rental property. You know, sometimes they don't because they want to save on uh, on the premium, which is a nominal amount, in, in my opinion, based on the amount of risk that you put yourself at. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, th- that's what the duty is. Uh, in terms of Airbnb, I think. Uh, uh, I I personally don't rent out any of my properties through Airbnb, but um, I'm 100% positive that Airbnb actually sells uh, an insurance premium as well too, mm. because uh, it's a higher risk. Right. You know, there's more turnover. There's more people coming in. It's not like you're renting it out uh, to one individual. And uh, you know, th- there's there's other th- factors to consider too. You have uh, you know neighbors. If it's a condo, that that'll start complaining because of the turnover. Um, I've heard some horror stories with uh, these types of rentals. So, uh, but again, uh, the first place to go is through your insurance company, and then I'm sure that the Airbnb has their own in- insurance policy as well that they'll sell you. So, if you're renting uh, an Airbnb property, <coughs> whether it's a, a condo or, or something up north, a cottage, whatever, um, should should you be asking that person if they have insurance? No, not necessarily. It's okay. not like uh, you're talking about the renter. Yes. No, no, they, they don't have to have their own insurance. Uh, it's the homeowner's responsibility to have the insurance uh, and advise your insurance company. Mm-hmm. So if they don't, if the renter does not have insurance, uh, is the is uh, sorry, if the, if the person renting the property does not have insurance, uh, the person renting that property are they covered just by their own insurance? So the renter coming in, yes, they cover. They're they're covered by the. Oh, so you're saying that if you if the landlord, the if landlord. the landlord doesn't have insurance, is the renter still covered? No, they, okay, they, their insurance would not cover them. Right, they would have to uh, pursue legal action against the owner. And okay, obviously they they. Uh, I, I believe that would be an infringement on Airbnb. Yeah, I don't right. think Airbnb would allow somebody to post a property without, without insurance. insurance. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. Know that. I'm they, sure they probably have to give proof yeah, of insurance. Yeah, I'm sure, though. yeah, they mm-hmm. give proof of insurance to, okay. to be able to post it online. Yeah. But I've heard nothing but horror stories about Airbnbs and, and houses being destroyed and, and turned into house yeah, parties. Yeah, wild and, parties, yeah. And, and um, you know, people well, getting hurt. I, I, and, I know and people use it. The, I know people use it all the time. And I know that some condo boards don't allow it, but people right. are still renting it out anyways. I've rented through Airbnb a couple of times. I haven't had any issues, but that's me. Yeah, no, know? just landlords. Landlords, right? Well, land, land, some landlords have a really, you know, have had horror experiences. Well, there was an issue. You guys were just talking about it uh, yesterday about uh, um, people uh, renting Airbnb for uh, transactions and drugs and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Is that. Was that on the news? Just that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the issues. That's one of the, the many issues that, you know, as as a person renting this property, you know, you, you are putting trust in the person who's coming in as a tenant for a weekend or a week or whatever the case is, and then you come back and your house is destroyed and, you know, there's drug paraphernalia or whatever all over the place. I mean, and th- th- as you mentioned, there's significant horror stories out yeah. there. 
And 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 but the thing is, is there's no relationship there either. Exactly, right? it's, yeah. it's they're coming in and they're gone. So it's 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 hard to you know track this person down or or proceed with you know legal action. Mm-hmm. Have, you know they might be coming from out of the country or or you know using a fake uh, identification. Yeah, and that's um, an, it's not like Airbnb does this crazy uh, background check no. uh, for people renting, right? It's, right. it's like renting a hotel at the end of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. And they put down their credit card, but who knows uh, how much uh, the limit is depending on the amount of damage they do, right? And, and from a legal standpoint, we only got a minute to talk about this. Is how hard is it now to go after that person that has destroyed this property? Yeah, so I I, would, uh, I know that when you rent through Airbnb, you agree to disclose your information to the renter, mm-hmm. uh, to the landlord in, in the situation that there's a dispute or whatnot. But, you know, again, uh, how accurate is that information? You know, are you going to be able to collect? You don't know what these people are. Yeah. Anytime any a client comes to me to sue somebody, you know, the first thing I say is, listen, you can pay me as much as you want, but are you going to be able to collect off these people? And that's, right. that's the number one concern, right? All right. One more segment to come here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Let's go around here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio this fine morning with Rob Golfie and Philip Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfie.com is the website. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. At Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to check out the Rob Golfie Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Jerry Falletta is our special in-studio guest this morning from Centennial Law Group. Senlaw.com is the website. That's CENlawgroup.com. 1-888-388-6458. That's 1-888-388-6458. So you've uh, you've slipped, you've fallen, you're injured. Uh, now we're going to call the Sen uh, Law Group, Centennial Law Group, <laughs> and uh, and say, hey, you know, I, I, I want to make a claim. Uh, take us through the process. How, how does that work? Yeah, so it depends on uh, the extent of the uh, individual's injuries. Sometimes I'll make a house call and meet with them because, you know, they have a broken leg or whatever the case may be. Uh, usually they come into the office. I meet with them. I gather the information. And it's it's funny. It, uh, being a lawyer on a personal injury matter, you you basically see your clients maybe once or twice, uh, depending how long the process is. You see them when you sign them. Uh, it, it, the the general joke because you see them when you sign them you see them when you give them their check but, um, <laughs> usually yeah, you only see them a couple times in between there but right. um, uh, Phil was asking me off the air uh, you know what, like what, what to look for when you're you're, you're signing a lawyer mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm the best lawyer in the city They're, come on they, you're, you're, too, you're too humble <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Hamilton bar has a lot of good lawyers actually so um, I would say you know do some research talk to other individuals uh, a lot of times, personal injury lawyers are, are referred based on uh, on referrals mm. um, and past experience. Uh, the number one complaint in our industry is, you know, my lawyer doesn't call me. I can't get a hold of my lawyer. My lawyer doesn't call me. And right. I get it. You know, I've, I've gotten to a certain level where I'm pretty busy. So it's a little bit harder to get a hold of me than it was before. But I, I have a general rule that I, I get back to my client personally within 24 hours, uh, whether I'm on vacation. I know my wife doesn't like that, but uh, <laughs> but doesn't matter. You know, like it's the number one thing in their life. You know, they're not working usually. So uh, they want to know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and these processes can take time, right? So, um, but I would say that if you, Go to one of the bigger lawyers that advertise a lot. Make sure that you're dealing with that lawyer. Mm. You know they may hand you down, and you never you think you're signing with one person when right. you're not. So, what's uh, 
how long does the average case take? I guess it depends, <coughs> right? It really depends. So what's the shortest case and what's the longest case you've experienced? So, uh, so when you get in a car accident, you basically have two claims. You have a uh, an accident benefits file, which is the no-fault insurance, which is your insurance company. And then you have uh, the tort claim, which is the claim against the other driver's insurance company if uh, you're not at fault. The accident benefit claim or the AB claim, you can't settle it. It's statutory mandated that you can't settle it for at least one year. It used to be you could settle it right away. People would do like a fraudulent claim, settle it 30 days, done. Hmm. Um, but now uh, they've uh, implemented that. You have to wait at least one year. Um, again, like going back to what I said earlier, uh, some injuries don't surface for some time. So I don't right. want to settle a case too early. And then, you know, after we settle, let's say two years into it, uh, an individual has a brain bleed or something that, uh, you know, it's from the accident. Yeah, connected, and yeah. now they're going to claim against me. You know, I always make sure that I get the physio, the family doctor to say, listen, they've plateaued. Uh, or reach maximum recovery. If anything, they might get a little bit better, but they're not going to get worse before we settle any case. But yeah, every case is different. You know, some cases, I know someone just ran a trial. The case was 10 years old. Holy, Holy cow. Yeah, so. Wow. Um, what's the most common uh, case that you'll see? Is it those slip and falls or is it the car crashes? Car crashes. Really? Yeah. And rear-enders. And, and what <laughs> yeah. do you see more people doing? Is it is it going to court or is it settling? Yeah, so... And, the, what, do you, I, and what do you... I guess it varies by case, but... Yeah, so some insurance, it depends on the insurance companies, like uh, some insurance companies take a really strong uh, position on threshold, mm. meaning that, you know, your your case has to reach a certain uh, uh, deductible or, or value before the, they'll actually consider it. Um, it's almost $40,000 now what the threshold is. It used to be 10000 They all settle. It, yeah. I think it's like 96, 97%. I was getting uh, the insurance companies, a lot of them are fighting it now, uh, and they've won a couple of cases now. So they're, hmm. again, it's, it's a deterrence factor. They're, try, they're hiring lawyers in-house rather than hiring defense counsel outside, and they're, uh, they're trying to deter, and, and it's working. You know, so Some lawyers don't even take uh, certain cases when uh, certain insurance companies are involved now. So yeah, it, uh, it's still high settlement. People rarely go to trial trials are really expensive yeah so it's still in the 96 97 percentile in terms of uh, when they uh, the amount of cases that settle the other three you know they either go or people walk away and is that usually uh, people that do go to court is usually because they don't like the settlement number that's being offered to them uh, well sometimes they have no choice you know if liability is in question right. uh, they have no choice but to fight it out uh, sometimes clients are just unreasonable and they uh, you know they they, they want to take the risk. Uh, and sometimes the insurance company is just unreasonable mm-hmm. um, because they, certain, you know, I can only uh, bring my client to water, right? I, right. I can't make them drink yeah, it. So yeah. uh, if I'm recommending that they take a settlement, it's because I feel that it's the best settlement that they should take. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some clients, you know, they, they get it in their head that they should get a certain amount and, you know, they're entitled to that. Uh, when you're meeting with a client for the first time, uh, what are m- the most common questions or maybe the most common question that you will get from them? Uh, in the first uh, initial consult? In the first initial meeting, yeah. Yeah. How Norm- much can I get? Yeah. How much money can you make me? That is 100%. <laughs> how much is my case uh, how worth? Much is, yeah, how much yeah. is this worth? For my sure. My cousin 20 years ago got $200,000 for a broken face. You know, like everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it, com- usually it's how long does it take right. and uh, how much money I'm going to get. Yeah. Um, and but can you provide them with clear answers there? No, or no. you, you got to be very vague. No, right? Every case is different. Yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll give them, I'll say, listen, based on what I see so far, uh, this is uh, how much I think it's worth, and this right. is uh, how long I think You can ballpark be. it. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we've got to run. Thanks for coming in. A tremendous uh, episode. Uh, be sure to tune in to the Hamilton Real Estate Show every Saturday at 9 right here on 900 CHML.